Sermon 2 of the Sermons upon the Epistle of St. Paul to the Ephesians by John Calvin, translated by Arthur Golding. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which hath blessed us with all spiritual blessing in heavenly things in Christ, according to his choosing of us in him before the foundation of the world, to the end we should be holy and unblameable before him in charity. We have seen heretofore how St. Paul exhorted us to praise and bless God because he hath blessed us, and that not after an earthly manner, but after a spiritual manner, to the end we should learn to hold ourselves contented with God's showing of his fatherly goodness and love towards us, in opening the gate of the kingdom of heaven unto us by hope, insomuch that although we be subject to much misery in this world, yet it is good reason that we should content ourselves with God's choosing of us after that fashion, and with his calling of us to him, according as it is witnessed to us by the gospel, that he is our Father, namely, inasmuch as he hath knit us to our Lord Jesus Christ, as members to their head. And now St. Paul bringeth us to the original and wellspring, or rather to the principal cause that caused God to take us into his favour. For it is not enough that God hath uttered the treasures of his goodness and mercy upon us to draw us to the hope of the heavenly life by the gospel, and yet is that very much. For had not St. Paul added that which we see presently, it might have been surmised that God's grace is common to all men, and that he offereth it to all without exception, and consequently that it is in every man's own power to receive it through his own free will, by means whereof there should be some deserving in us. For if there were no further odds between men, but that some receive God's grace, and other some refuse it, what might be said, but that God hath showed himself liberal to all mankind? But they that are partakers of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ attain to it by faith, and so ye see what might be deemed of it. But St. Paul, to exclude all deserving on man's behalf, and to show that all cometh of God's only free bestowed goodness, saith that he hath blessed us according to his choosing of us aforehand, as if he should say that to exalt God's grace as becometh us, we must look upon the difference that is put between man and man. For the gospel is preached to some and other some, quote, not what it is, but are utterly shut out from it, as if God should make it to reign in one coast and suffer another coast to remain dry. Now if it be demanded why God pitieth the one part, and forsaketh, and giveth over the other, there is none other answer, but that it so pleaseth him. Upon the preaching of the gospel in a place, some shall be touched with lively faith in their hearts, and other some go away again as they came, without faring any whit the better, or else they harden themselves against God, and betray the stubbornness that was hidden in them before, whereof cometh such diversity, even of this that God amendeth the one lost by his Holy Spirit, and leaveth the other lost in their natural corruption. Ye see then that the thing wherein God's goodness shineth forth most unto us is that by the preaching of the gospel to us we have, as it were, a token that he pitieth us, loveth us, calleth us, and allureth us to him. But when the doctrine that is preached to us is received of us heartily and effectually, that is yet a further and more special token whereby we perceive that God intendeth to be our Father, and hath adopted us to be his children. Not without cause, then, doth St. Paul say in this strain, that we be blessed of God, even according to his choosing of us aforehand. For we of ourselves come not to him, we of ourselves seek him not, 
but the saying of the prophet Isaiah must needs be fulfilled in all, namely that God showeth himself to such as sought him not, and that such as were far off do see him near at hand, and he saith to them, Here I am, here I am, although you have despised me, yet do I vouchsafe to come to you, because I have a care of your welfare. Thus we see what St. Paul aimed at in this strain. To be short, we have to mark here, that we shall never know whence our salvation cometh, till we have lifted up our minds to God's everlasting purpose, whereby he hath chosen whom he thought good, and left the residue in their own confusion and fall. Now then, it is no marvel, though some men think this doctrine to be strange and hard, for it agreeeth no wit at all to man's natural wit. If a man ask of the philosophers, they will always tell him that God loveth such as are worthy of it, and that forasmuch as virtue pleaseth him, he doth also mark out such as are given thereto, to hold them for his people. Ye see then that after our own imagination we will deem that God putteth none other difference between man and man, in loving some and in hating other some, than each man's own worthiness and deserving. But by the way let us remember also that in our own understanding there is nothing but vanity, and that we must not measure God by our meteard, and that it is too excessive and overweening to bind God to the stake, so as he should not do anything but that which we could conceive, and which might seem rightful in our eyes. The matter therefore concerneth here the reverencing of God's secrets, which are incomprehensible to us, and without we do so, we shall never taste the principles of faith. For we know that our wisdom ought always to begin at humility, and this humility is as much to say that we must not fall to weighing of God's judgments in our own balance, nor take upon us to be judges and determiners of them, but that we must be sober because of the weakness of our wit, and that forasmuch as we be gross and dull, we must magnify God, and say as we be taught by the Holy Scripture, Lord, thy determinations are as a great deep, and no man is able to reckon them up unto thee. Ye see then, that the cause why some men find this doctrine hard and irksome, is for that they be too much wedded to their own opinion, and cannot submit themselves to God's wisdom, to receive his sayings soberly and modestly. And truly we ought to take warning by that which St. Paul saith, namely that man of his mother wit understandeth not God's secrets, but taketh them to be stark foolishness. And why? For we be not of his counsel, but must have things revealed to us by his Holy Spirit, or else we should never know them and we must have them in such measure as he giveth them unto us. St. Paul speaketh there of the things that we know by experience, that is to wit, that we be God's children, that he governeth us by his Holy Spirit, that he comforteth us in our adversities, and that he strengtheneth us through patience. We should not conceive any of these things, unless we were enlightened by his Holy Ghost. How then shall we understand the thing that is much higher, namely that God chose us before the making of the world? Since the case standeth so, let us learn to put away all that we conceive of our own brain, and to lay it under foot, and let us receive whatsoever God layeth to us, discharging ourselves utterly of all self-weaning, and assuring ourselves that we cannot bring anything of our own side, but utter beastliness. Thus ye see what we have to bear in mind. And in good sooth, we see how St. Paul exhorteth us to come to the same point. Who art thou, O man, saith he, which standeth in contention with thy God? After he had set down many replies, 
which we be wont to make, he saith, Who art thou, O man? By the word man he meant to make us perceive our own frailty, for we be but worms of the earth and rottenness. Now then, what a malapertness is it to open our mouths to dispute with God? Is it not a perverting of the whole order of nature? Is it in our power to pluck the sun out of the sky, or to latch the moon betwixt our teeth? As they say, much less is it lawful for us to contend with God and to allege reasons to control his judgments, which we cannot comprehend. There are that will grant this doctrine of predestination to be true, whereof St. Paul treateth here, but yet they would it were so buried as it might never be spoken of. Yea, but they show themselves to be but fools in controlling the Holy Ghost, which spake it by the prophets and apostles, yea, and even by the mouth of God's only Son. For when our Lord Jesus intendeth to assure us of our salvation, he sendeth us to this everlasting election, and likewise when he intendeth to magnify the gift of faith, the one in the tenth of John, and the other in the fifth, and the other in the sixth. And therefore those kind of folk come too late to put God to silence, and to wipe the things out of the Holy Scripture which are showed there. For all the whole Scripture is profitable, St. Paul spake that of the law and the prophets, therefore we also may conclude that there is no superfluity in the gospel, nor anything which serveth not to good purpose, and whereby we may not be edified both in faith and in the fear of God. But this doctrine is contained there, and the Holy Ghost speaketh it loud and surely, Therefore they must needs be manichees, which intend to nip and gild the gospel. For look what liketh them not, they did set it aside, and forged a gospel of diverse pieces, allowing nothing but that which they themselves thought good. Now, if such manner of heretics have showed a devilish stubbornness against God in separating the things which ought to go together in inseparable bond, then are they malicious and froward also, which would nowadays have the doctrine of election kept in silence. For they would overrule God if it were possible, and stop his mouth as oft as he uttereth anything that liketh not them. Again a man may evidently see their beastliness, in that St. Paul had not a better proof whereby to magnify God's goodness than this. Then, if there were none other reason, yet were it better that the whole world should go to confusion, than that this doctrine should be suppressed with silence. For is it reason that God should set the infinite treasures of his mercies before our eyes, and yet that they should not be spoken of, but be thrust under foot? But there are yet two reasons more, which show that this doctrine is most needful to be preached, and that we reap so great profit by it, as it had been much better that we had never been born, than to be ignorant of the thing that St. Paul showeth us here. For there are two things whereat we must chiefly aim, and whereunto it behoveth us to apply all our wits and endeavours, and they be the very sum of all the things which God teacheth us by the Holy Scripture. The one is the magnifying of God as he deserveth, and the other is the assuredness of our salvation, that we may call upon him as our Father with full liberty. If we have not these two things, woe worth us, for there is neither faith nor religion in us. Well may we talk of God, but it shall be but a leasing. As touching the first point, I have told you already that God's grace is not sufficiently known, but by setting God's election as it were before our eyes. For put the case that God draw all men alike, and that such as intend to obtain salvation must come of their own free will and self-moving. If it be so, then it is certain that we deserve to be received at God's hand, 
and that he should handle every man according to his worthiness. But wherein shall God's goodness be magnified, even in this that he preventeth us of his own mere free good will, and loveth us nevertheless, without finding anything either in us or in our works, why he should love us? If this be true, then must there needs be election, so as God must take the one sort, because he thinketh it good so to do, and leave the other. Thus ye see, it is a most assured point that God's glory doth not appear and shine forth as were requisite, except it be known that he sheddeth forth his goodness and love where it pleaseth him. I said even now that the preaching of his word is a singular benefit to us, and that is the cause why it is said so often in the law and the prophets that God hath not dealt so with any other nation as he dealt with the lineage of Abraham in that he vouchsafed to choose and adopt them, whereof the law was a sure record. So then the children of Israel were exhorted to praise God, because he had vouchsafed to give them his law, and in the meanwhile had let the poor Gentiles alone, as folk that pertained not to him at all. But it is yet a far greater and specialer privilege, when he maketh us to fare the better by that word. For it is certain that our ears might be beaten daily with the things that should be told us, and we be never the better for it until God speak to us by his Holy Spirit within us. Then in this matter God showeth a double grace. The one is when he raiseth up men to preach the gospel to us, for no man is meet and sufficient to do it of himself. Needs therefore must they be of God's sending, which do call us to him and offer us the hope of salvation. But yet for all that, let us mark well that we cannot believe except God reveal himself to us by his Holy Spirit and speak to our hearts by the Holy Ghost, as well as he hath spoken to our ears by the mouth of man. And that is the cause why the prophet Isaiah saith, Who hath believed our doctrine? Or to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? He showeth that there is no faith in the world till God have wrought in men's minds and hearts by the power of his Holy Spirit. And for the very same cause also doth our Lord Jesus say, that no man cometh to him except he be drawn by the Father. But whosoever hath learned of my Father, saith he, the same submitteth himself to me. To be short, we see manifestly that God showeth himself pitiful to us, when he vouchsafeth to enlighten us by his Holy Spirit, to the end we should be drawn to the faith of his gospel. If the same were done commonly and indifferently to all men, yet should we have cause to magnify God. But now, when we see that some are hardened, and other some unconstant, and that some go their ways without taking any profit by the things that they have heard, and other some be altogether blockish, it is certain that the same maketh God's grace more apparent to us, according as St. Luke saith, that at St. Paul's preaching, as many believed as were ordained to salvation." Verily the number of people was great that heard St. Paul's sermon, and out of all doubt he, on his side, had so great grace as ought to have moved even the very stones, and yet notwithstanding, a great sort continued in their unbelief and stubbornness, and other some believed. Now St. Luke saith plainly that the cause thereof was not for that the one sort were more forward folk than the other, or for that there was any towardness of virtue more in the one than in the other, but for that God had foreordained them to salvation. Therefore, at one word, we see that all man's deserving must cease and be laid under foot, or else God shall not have his deserved praise. Yea, and we must understand that faith cometh not of ourselves, for if it did, 
then should there be some worthiness in our works? True it is that by faith we confess that there is nothing but wretchedness in us, that we be damned and accursed, and that we bring not aught with us but only an acknowledgment of our sins. But yet should our faith serve for some desert, if we had it of our own breeding. We must therefore conclude that it is impossible for men to believe unless it be given them from above. And surely St. Paul declareth here a thing well worthy to be marked when he saith, Blessed be God. And for what cause? Even for enriching us in such wise in Jesus Christ that our life is happy and blessed. And afterward he addeth, according to his choosing of us. Is not faith comprehended among the spiritual riches whereof St. Paul maketh mention? Yes, and which is more, it is the chief of them. For it is by faith that we receive the Holy Ghost. It is by faith that we become patient in our adversities. It is by faith that we become obedient to God. It is by faith that we be sanctified to his service. To be short, faith continueth always chief of the spiritual benefits that God bestoweth upon us. Now let us remember well St. Paul's order. He saith that God hath given us faith as well as any of all the rest, according to his choosing of us. We see then that faith dependeth upon God's election, or else we must make St. Paul a liar. And so as touching the first point, ye see that all such as cannot abide to have predestination plainly and openly spoken of are deadly enemies of God's grace, and would deface it to the uttermost of their power. For, as I said afore, the hiding thereof were the overthrowing of all religion. The second point is the assuredness of our salvation. The papists say we must doubt of it, and that we cannot come unto God otherwise than with an opinion that he will receive us, but to assure ourselves of it, that ought we not to do, for that were too great a presumptuousness. But when we pray unto God, we must call him Father, at leastwise if we be the scholars of our Lord Jesus Christ, for he hath taught us so to do. Now do we call him Father at all adventure, or are we sure of it in ourselves that he is our Father? If not, then is there nothing but hypocrisy in our prayers, and the first word that we utter shall be a stark lie. The papists, therefore, never wit what it is to pray unto God, seeing they say that they ought not to assure themselves of their salvation. But, as we shall see in the third chapter especially, the scripture showeth that if we will pray to God rightly, we must have belief in Jesus Christ, which giveth us trust, and upon that trust we by and by conceive boldness. Then, howsoever the world go, we must not be in a murmuring, nor yet doubt, but we must be thoroughly resolved and persuaded in ourselves that God accounteth us as his children. And how may that be, but by embracing his mercy through faith, as he offereth it us in his gospel, and by assuring ourselves also that we be grounded in his everlasting election. For if our faith should depend upon ourselves, surely it would soon slip from us and it might be shaken off, if it were not maintained from above. And although we be kept or preserved by faith, as saith St. Peter, yet is it God that keepeth and preserveth us. Then if our faith were not grounded upon God's eternal election, it is certain that Satan might pluck it from us every minute of an hour. Although we were today the constantest in the world, yet might we fail tomorrow. But our Lord Jesus showeth us the remedy to strengthen us against all temptations, in that he saith, You come not to me of yourselves, but the Heavenly Father bringeth you to me. And forasmuch as I have taken you into my keeping, 
be no more afraid, for I acknowledge you for the inheritance of God my Father, and he that hath given me the charge of you, and put you into my hand, is stronger than all. We see then, that besides the setting forth of God's glory, our salvation also is warranted by God's eternal predestination, which ought to be sufficient cause to move us to consider what St. Paul treateth of it in this place. True it is, as I have touched already, that many men starkle at it when they hear that God hath chosen whom he thought good, and refused all the rest. For we see that the number of them that come unto God is very small, and why then hath he refused the rest? Verily, as who would say, that God's will ought not to stand for a rule towards us, it behoveth us to mark, first, that God is not bound at all unto any person. For had we once that fordeal at his hand, that he were never so little beholden unto us, then we might well go to law with him. But forasmuch as he on his side is nothing at all bound unto us, but we altogether unto him, let us see now what we shall win by our contending with him. For if we will needs constrain God to deal alike with all men, he should have less liberty than mortal creatures. If a man be rich, he may do what he listeth with his own goods. If he be liberal to someone, is it reason he should be sued at the law for it, and that every man should demand the like sum of him? Behold, a man of his good will advanceth one whom he loveth. Now if all poor folk should come and require him to do as much for them, as it were of bound duty, were it not a fond thing, verily a man may adopt the farthest stranger in the world to be his child and heir, and it is free for him so to do. Behold, God is liberal to all men, for he maketh his sun to shine both upon good and bad. Only he reserveth a certain part of men on whom to bestow the privilege of adopting them to his children. What shall we now gain by murmuring against him? If any man say that, then he should seem to be an acceptor of persons, no, it is not so, for he chooseth not the rich, and letteth the poor go. He chooseth not noblemen and gentlemen, rather than men of no estimation and base degree. And therefore it cannot be said that there is any accepting of persons before God. For in choosing those that are unworthy, he hath no respect but only to his own mere goodness. Neither passeth he whether one be more worth than another, but he taketh whom he listeth. What would we more? Then is it good reason that we should hold ourselves contented with God's will, and bridle ourselves, and let him choose whom he listeth, because his will is the sovereign rule of equity and right. And so ye see the mouths of all the world stopped, and although the wicked and heathenish sort do grudge and repine at God, yea, or blaspheme him for so doing, yet is he mighty enough to maintain his own righteousness and infinite wisdom, and when they have chattered their fill, yet must they be confounded in the end. For in our part... We see what St. Paul saith here, for it is no dark doctrine when he saith that God hath blessed us. Verily, inasmuch as he hath enlightened us with the faith of the gospel by his Holy Spirit, and made us partners in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, even thereby, saith he, hath he showed that he had chosen us before the making of the world. And therefore, let us understand that to magnify God's grace aright, we must, as I said afore, come to this wellspring and original cause, that is to wit, unto election. Now have we to pass further, for to the intent the better to exclude all respects and worthiness which men might pretend, inasmuch as we be inclined to challenge always somewhat to ourselves, and cannot abide to be brought to nothing, he saith, before the creation of the world. 
so then forasmuch as though such imagination we think ourselves to have that which we have not it was required that st paul should here beat down all such fantastical fondness and for that cause he saith we could put ourselves forward when we were not yet born nay verily god chose us before the making of the world and what could we then bring unto him indeed the papists have a little shift in this behalf for they say that god chose such unto salvation as had not yet deserved it but yet he chose such as he foresaw should deserve it thus confess they that no deserving at all went before election either in order or in time but that god as to whom all things are open knew who should be worthy of it after that manner do the papists speak of it so as they deny not god's election and soothly to show that the nautipacks which nowadays cannot abide to have it spoken of are as devils incarnate and maintain a more outrageous and villainous wickedness than the papists do we must note that the papists confess god to have chosen and predestinated whom he thought good even before the making of the world they stand unto that which thing these devils deny and would have god's majesty utterly defamed by overthrowing his ordinance after that manner the papists at leastwise such of them as have walked upright and i speak even of the very monks and friars which are called school divines grant yet further that this election of god is free and that he chose not any man for any other respect than for that it pleased himself but yet by and by after they mingle and turmoil all for they say that when god chose whom he listed he did it to make them deserve it and thereupon do they ground all their merits insomuch as they conclude that men may win the kingdom of heaven by their own power they grant indeed that as touching election it is a free gift but always they return to their fantastical surmise that god foresaw who should do good but how should he foresee that which could not be for we know that all adam's offspring is corrupted and that we have not the skill to think one thought of doing well and much less therefore are able to do well indeed although god should tarry for us a hundred thousand years if we could continue so long in the world yet is it certain that we should never come unto him nor do anything else than increase the mischief continually to our own condemnation to be short the longer that men live in the world the deeper do they plunge themselves in their damnation and therefore god could not foresee the thing which was not in us before he himself put it into us how then come we unto god how obey we him how have we a quiet mind that yieldeth itself according to his faith all these things come of him and so it followeth that he is fain to do all himself wherefore let us consider that in saying that god chose us before the foundation of the world st paul presupposeth a thing that is true namely that god could not see anything in us save the evil that was there for there was not one drop of goodness for him to find so then seeing he hath chosen us ye see it is a very manifest record of his free goodness and for the same cause in the ninth to the romans where he speaketh of the two twins jacob and esau at such time as they were yet in their mother's womb before they had done either good or evil to the intent that all should come only of the caller and not of the worker it is said that the elder should serve the younger we see then how st paul declareth there more at large the thing that he toucheth here briefly that is to wit that whereas god chose us before the creation of the world 
therein he showeth sufficiently that one man is not more worthy or excellent than another, that he had not respect to any deserving. Therefore, seeing that the putting of difference between Jacob and Esau was before they had done either good or evil, it came not of the works, but of the caller. Then must all praise be yielded unto God, and nothing at all be reserved to man. And so ye see yet once again what we have to mark here, when as St. Paul saith that we were chosen before the making of the world. He confirmeth the thing yet better in that he saith that the same was done in Jesus Christ. If we had been chosen in ourselves, it might be said that God had found in us some secret virtue unknown to men. But seeing that he hath chosen us, that is to say, loved us out of ourselves, what shall we reply to that? If I do a man good, it is because I love him. And if the cause of my love be sought for, it will be for that we be like of conditions, or else for some other respect. But we must not imagine any likeness in God, and so it is told us expressly here, for St. Paul saith that we were chosen in Jesus Christ. Had God then an eye unto us when he vouchsafed to love us? No, for then he should have utterly abhorred us. It is true that in respect of our miseries he had pity and compassion upon us to relieve us, but that was because he had loved us already in our Lord Jesus Christ. Then must God needs have had his pattern and looking-glass before him wherein to behold us, that is to say, he must have looked upon our Lord Jesus Christ before he could choose us and call us. And so to be short, after St. Paul hath showed that we could not bring anything unto God, but that he prevented us of his own free goodness in choosing us before the creation of the world, he addeth yet a more certain proof, namely that he did it in our Lord Jesus Christ, who is, as it were, the true book of record. For God's vouchsafing to choose us, that is to wit, his vouchsafing to do it before all everlastingness, was, as it were, a registering of us in writing of record. And the Holy Scripture calleth God's election the book of life. As I said afore, Jesus Christ serveth for a register. It is he in whom we be engraved, and in whom God acknowledgeth us for his children. Seeing then that God had an eye unto us in the person of Jesus Christ, it followeth that he findeth not anything in us which we might lay before him to cause him to elect us. This, in effect, is the thing that we have to remember further. It followeth afterwards that it is to the end that we should be pure and unblameable before God, namely in love. This word love may be referred unto God, as if it were said that we shall find none other reason why God vouchsafed to take us for his children, but only his own free love. Or else, as it is very like, St. Paul showeth here that the true soundness and perfection of the faithful is, namely to walk in all righteousness before God. We cannot lay forth the whole as now, but it shall suffice to tell briefly whereto St. Paul had an eye, for he showeth here that although God's election be free, and do beat down and put away all the worthiness, works, and virtues of men, yet notwithstanding it serveth not to give us leave to do evil, and to lead a disordered life, or to run at rovers, but rather to withdraw us from the evil wherein we were plunged. For naturally we can do nothing else but provoke God's wrath. Wickedness will always reign in us, and we be held down under the bonds and tyranny of Satan. God therefore must be fain to work and to change us, for all goodness cometh of his election, saith St. Paul. 
Ye see then that the thing whereunto he meant to bring the faithful was to make them known, that like as God chose them of his own free goodness, so he giveth them not leave to yield themselves to naughtiness, but intendeth to keep and preserve them undefiled to himself. For God's choosing of us, and his calling of us therewithal unto holiness, are things matched inseparably together. Accordingly, also, as St. Paul saith in another text, that we be not called to uncleanness and filthiness, but to be dedicated to God in all godliness and holiness. Now, forasmuch as we cannot lay forth the whole at this time, let us look to make our profit of this lesson. And seeing we be now about to prepare ourselves to the receiving of our Lord Jesus Christ's supper, which is a pawn unto us as well of our election as of the hope of our salvation, and of all the spiritual benefits that come forth of this wellspring and fountain of God's free goodness, let us consider that there he uttereth his riches unto us, not to the end that we should abuse them, but rather of purpose to be glorified for them at our hands, not only with our mouths, but also with our whole lives. And forasmuch as we hold all things of him, let us also learn to be his, and to give over ourselves to the obeying of him, that he may enjoy us quietly. And let us always shoot at this mark, namely to get a sure warrant that he taketh and devoureth us for his children, by bearing his marks, and by showing in very deed that we be rightly governed by his Holy Spirit in calling upon him as our Father. Thus ye see in effect what we have to mark in this text, till the residue may follow. Now let us fall down before the majesty of our good God, with acknowledgment of our faults, praying him to make us feel them in such wise as we may continually profit in his fear, and be strengthened more and more in the same, and in the meanwhile so to bear with our weakness, as we may always enjoy his grace, even till he hath set us in possession of all things, at such time as he shall have done away our sins, and blotted them quite out for our Lord Jesus Christ's sake. And so let us all say, Almighty God, Heavenly Father, etc. End of Sermon 2